This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Titus chapter 2. We'll get right into the message I'm teaching today. Basically, the lessons of a godly woman. And I hope that it'll be a blessing to your heart. The lessons of a godly woman. Notice Titus chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. The Bible says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity and patience. The aged women likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given too much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. When you read this passage of Scripture before us this morning, the basic thought of this text is the value of godly maturity. That's what I'd like for you to think about this morning, the, the value of godly maturity. Now, the first part of this, I could address the men. Perhaps we'll use a portion of this on Father's Day. I don't know. But because this is Mother's Day, that is our focus and attention this morning. The value of godly maturity or womanhood. The value, the lessons of a godly woman. Every mature godly woman, I believe with all of my heart, has a biblical responsibility to teach the younger women. So every, every lady in this church, every lady in the house of God today, there is a biblical admonishment from these scriptures that we assume the responsibility to teach younger women. And listen, it's not just pertaining and applicable to the atmosphere of the church or in a Sunday school room. But I believe the responsibility of teaching younger women also encourages us to take advantage of every teaching opportunity wherever life would present it. That will go a long way in strengthening the homes that they will make one day. I believe with all of my heart that the Lord God Almighty desires among many things as He requires them from us that our homes be one of the sweetest places on the face of the earth. I believe the home is a great place to learn valuable experiences, biblical truths. But listen to this. I can assure you that our homes and the atmosphere that is needed to build a godly home it just doesn't happen by mistake. It just doesn't happen because of. If you're going to have a godly home that honors the Lord, listen, it's going to take discipline. It's going to take conviction. It's going to take prayer. It's going to require humility. It's going to take time. But listen, none of our homes, I don't care who you are, none of our homes will ever be what they ought to be until first Jesus Christ is crowned king of that dwelling. He must be. I believe it's such a sad truth, but there are so many other things going on in life today. So many other things that are taking the place 
of godly things in our home. That ought to bring conviction to us. This is staggering, but it's true. The average home has less than two hours of spiritual emphasis throughout each and every week. Now, you quickly do a home inventory on your, your place where you live and see if that's true or not. The average home spends less than two hours with a spiritual emphasis. I'm talking about out of 168 hours in every seven days, less than two are devoted to the Lord. That's something that should really grab all of our attention. I'm talking about from the practical side of our lives where we are worn out with jobs, we're worn out with our health, children, grandchildren, housework, yard work, the telephone, the computer, video games, paying bills, shopping, and self-manufactured drama. All of this stuff going on in our life. Listen, it feels just about every second that we have. And that's just the normal routine of things. Things that we do simply day after day. But listen, in addition to all of that stuff we might think that is normal, I want to assure you of something and to caution you as well, that the devil will always find time. He will always find occasion to raise his ugly head in your home. I assure you that if the normal wear and tears that we have on life isn't enough for us to take our eyes off of the Lord Jesus Christ, the devil is never short in supply and he will, he will invent clever ways to occupy whatever time is left that you designate for Christ. And when that happens, it's very difficult to cram Jesus in to all of the leftovers. Listen very carefully. It's going to take more than a picture on the wall of Jesus. It's going to take more than a family Bible on the coffee table to fortify your life and home against the fiery darts of Satan. If Jesus is going to be crowned Lord of Lords in your home, in your life, then you're going to have to be taught how to contend for that prize. And ladies, let me say this. What is the greater responsibility is that you have a responsibility of teaching younger women how to contend for the prize. Never before have I seen such an attack on the family as I've seen it today. Now, if you don't know this, let me explain something to you this morning. I pray every person in this auditorium would, would be like a sponge and soak this up. There is a satanic inspired war on the family on marriage, on fatherhood, and motherhood. If you look at this verse, Titus chapter 2, verse number 4, it's a short verse, but it's impacted with great spiritual truth. I want you to see it. The Bible says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. Now let me first say this, ladies, this morning, that one of your biggest responsibilities is to be a godly teacher and a godly influence on those younger than you all around you. Again, that doesn't happen on an accident. That comes, listen, you cannot teach somebody the word of God and how to love God unless you know it yourself. You, that requires that you have to study. It requires that you have to apply it. But it also requires that what you study, what you apply to your own personal life, you can pass it down to somebody else. Perhaps many here in this room today can look back on a time when somebody taught you some spiritual lessons that you still practice today. 
I'm sure many of you remember some of the valuable lessons that your mother taught you. Think about, I noticed the table this morning out in the vestibule, those who put pictures of their mothers who have gone on, beautiful, beautiful women. I stopped by there and read every name that was on the table, every mother that was there. I'm sure this morning that you can look back on the lessons that those women taught you in life. Those of you whose mother is represented in the vestibule, you look back on the valuable lessons that they taught you in life. And maybe even if your mother's still with us today, you look back on some of those great in-depth spiritual lessons that they taught you. Some of you may remember your mother to be a great teacher of logic. You remember her saying something like this. If you fall off of that swing and break your neck, you're not going to the store with me. <laughs> Broken neck, ride in the car and store. But she taught you the lesson. Some of you might remember your mother to be a great teacher in genetics. When you made her mad, she said, you're just like your father. <laughs> Maybe you heard your mother teach you a great lesson. She taught you great lessons on anticipation. You wait till you get home. Did your mother ever teach you a lesson on prayer? You better pray that comes out of the carpet. I mean pray. <laughs> your mom was a great teacher. Maybe she taught you some lessons on justice. One day when you have kids, I hope they turn out just like you. But seriously, listen to this. Mature Christian women. Women, according to this scripture in Titus, ought to be willing to teach the younger women how to discipline their lives and to build good, godly Christian homes, how to glorify the Lord. So let me ask you this question today. What would you consider to be some of the great influences in your life this morning? What would you think about? It's sad, but this world is filled with people who are trying to live out their life and be influenced by what they see on television. They see all of this unreal fantasy stuff and somehow believe that that's the way life really ought to be. Listen, and when things don't match up with cable television and People's Magazine and the tabloids and rock singers and professional athletes and movie stars, we wonder what in the world is going on. They simply become dysfunctional too. Many times it happens if young people are going to survive in this world, listen, it's going to take some real fortification that's anchored to the infallible word of God. Amen. Two of the greatest teachers on this planet are godly women and godly mothers. Thank God for the lessons that they can teach us. Turn your Bibles with me quickly to 1 Samuel chapter 1. I'm running out of time. I don't know how I'm going to finish, but I want you to see these incredible truths. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we'll look at verse number 2. This is the story of Hannah, the mother of Samuel. And I believe we can learn some valuable lessons of her in the Scripture. Because you see, Hannah teaches us 
to bring our burdens to the Lord. That is a lesson the aged women need to teach the younger women today. And it's a lesson, a valuable lesson that we could all learn that whatever our burdens are, we can learn from the scriptures this morning. Hannah teaches Samuel. He teaches, uh, she teaches people in her community. I believe Hannah can teach you and I today to take our burdens to the Lord. First Samuel 1 verse 2, the Bible says, and he had two wives. The name of one was Hannah. The name of the other was Peniah. And Peniah had children, but Hannah had no children. You see, Hannah was in bitterness. She was in great dire straits. She was filled with brokenness because she was barren and she had no children. According to the word of God, she was smitten with grief. She was heartbroken. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been to the place where you were so heartbroken? You were so overwhelmed with the trouble and the trials of life. You were carrying some kind of burden. You didn't even know how to pray anymore. The Bible says this, that when we don't know how to pray, that the Holy Spirit of God will make it intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. I don't know how many times that you have prayed. Oh, God, in Jesus' name, I don't know how to pray. Holy Spirit, Jesus, take the wheel. I don't know what to do. Hannah was like that. She got at the place where she just did not know what to do. She brought her burden before the Lord. Look at the scripture in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 10. I mean, most of us have carried burdens like that when you felt like you just could not go on another day. The Bible says in verse 10 that she brought her burden to the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. Sometimes that's all we can do is pray. Sometimes when we have these overwhelming burdens, all we can do is pray. Have you ever been in that spot? All you can do is pray. If there is one lesson that Hannah could teach us all today, it's this, never try to manage your heartaches, your burdens, your troubles, your sorrows by yourself. Take them to the Lord. As she was in bitterness of soul, verse 10, and prayed unto the Lord. I think sometimes when we get so overwhelmed with the troubles of life, we want to try to fix it all by ourselves, and we, we get so consumed with the thing that we give no thought about the throne of grace that's there to provide help in the time of trouble. But please listen carefully to this. No matter how spiritual you become, no matter how spiritual we are, listen to this, none of us can take on life independently from God. We will never be able to manage our problems apart from the nail-scarred hands. I'm not going to ask you to turn, but I want you to write the scripture down. 1 Peter 5, 7 says, Casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. The psalmist wrote in chapter 55, verse number 22, Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. He shall never suffer the righteous to be moved. And I will tell you, friend, there are reasons why those verses are in the Bible. It's not there just to occupy space. Casting all your care upon the Lord, for he careth for you. Let me give you a great spiritual truth this morning. When it comes to your overwhelming burdens and heartaches, listen, God allows burdens in our life to sometime bend us, but he will never allow a burden or sorrow to break you, designed to destroy you. Though we're tempted, 
Sometimes when we're overwhelmed with things we cannot control and we have prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed and still we do not see the instant immediate hand of God. Listen, sometimes we might be tempted to listen to the voice of the devil, the same whisper that came into the ear of Job's wife, just simply curse God and die. Some of you might have been in that place before. But there is a great promise when you're overwhelmed with burdens and you're tempted to throw in the towel. Turn quickly to 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. When you're tempted and you're overwhelmed with your burden, ladies, learn how to teach younger women this concept, this biblical truth. The, the younger ladies that God places in your life, learn how to teach this principle. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, There hath no temptation taken you but such as common to man, but God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. So listen carefully. It doesn't matter what burden that you bear today. God is ever ready to help you and to assist you with it. Listen carefully. The restraining power of the Holy Spirit will always regulate the power of the devil in such a way that God has promised deliverance and he will see you through. God has placed a limit on the distance that a burden can carry you. He said, come unto me, all ye that labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and you shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Listen, you'll never find the lightness of the burden when you're trying to work it out yourself. So Hannah teaches us to bring our burdens to the Lord. Turn quickly to 2 Timothy chapter 1. I want to show you two other great godly teachers. Ladies, it's imperative that you teach the younger women. If all they're learning is what's on television and in magazines and some false ideology from the political correctness of this world, listen, our younger women will be in trouble. So will our homes, our families. Two other godly great teachers were the mother and grandmother of Timothy. Paul recognized this in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. And I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears that I may be filled with joy when I call to remembrance the unfraid faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. And when you look at this carefully in these scriptures, the Apostle Paul takes an opportunity to thank the grandmother and to thank the mother of Timothy for building the faith in that young man's life. He was saying that the spiritual progress that Timothy was making was a direct result of the great valuable lessons that these other older women had taught him. It was them who had taught him against the worldly influences and associations that would lead him to a destructive life. These godly women would teach this incredible lesson to every mother and father that could still be taught themselves. I had every intention of concluding with that passage this morning, but when I was getting ready this morning, God put something in my mind and in my heart, and he said, I want you to share this with the folks. And so in the process of turning to 1 Kings chapter 3, let me say this. This I'm going to share with you. you some of you may be familiar with the story. 
but I don't believe that I have ever recognized her on Mother's Day. But when I was getting ready this morning, it was just an overwhelming, heart-touching truth and a valuable lesson. See, Hannah taught us how to take our burdens to the Lord. Every older woman in this building has a responsibility to those younger than you for you to teach them that principle. Take your burden to the Lord. When you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Lois and Eunice taught us this. No matter what, the just shall live by faith. But in this story right here, God showed me something this morning. I've never, ever shared this particular story and this verse on Mother's Day. This is, a, this is one of the most incredible stories of the Bible, and we have all, I think, to somewhat of a degree have been familiar with it. In 1 Kings chapter 3, I want you to notice in verse 16, it talks about the wisdom of Solomon. The Bible says, Then came there two women that were harlots unto the king and stood before him. And the one woman said, Oh, my Lord, I and this woman dwell in one house. And I was delivered of a child with her in the house. And it came to pass the third day after that I was delivered, that this woman was delivered also. And we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, save we two in the house. And this woman's child died in the night because she overlaid it. And she arose at midnight and took my son from beside me while that handmaid slept and laid it in her bosom and laid her dead child in my bosom. And when I rose in the morning to give my child suck, behold, it was dead. But when I had considered it in the morning, Behold, it was not my son, which I did bear. And the other woman said, Nay, but the living is my son, and the dead is thy son. And this said, No, but the dead is thy son, and the living is my son. Thus they spake before the king. Then said the king, The one saith, This is my son that liveth, and thy son is the dead. The other saith, Nay, but thy son is the dead, and my son is the living. And the king said, Bring me a sword. You know, I will tell you this, a lot of times I've had to make, I pray every, God, every day for God to give me wisdom because I have to make decisions every day that affect all of us, not just me, you, all of us, the church. Solomon said this, Lord, I don't know how to lead the people. I, I feel like I'm a little child sometimes. I don't know how to lead them. I don't know how to go in. I don't know how to come out. And God told Solomon, he said, listen, I want you to ask of me whatever it is that you will, and I will grant it. Solomon did not ask God for the obvious things that you and I probably would think about first and then say, bring them on. Solomon said, I don't know how to lead these people. In my position as a pastor, and I have to make decisions every day, do, do, I, do I think for one minute that everybody in this church house agrees with everything I do all the time, I would be a fool to think that. I can only do the best I can. So some decisions are good, some decisions are bad, some people accept, some people do not. Somebody's got to be the pastor. 
when I make those decisions that are hard, hard decisions, I do pray, ask God, Lord, lead me in the right way. Speak to my heart, direct me. You see what will happen if I don't. You see what will happen if I do. So God, take all of that stuff that I cannot control and use it for your glory. I have never, ever been confronted to make a decision like this. These two women come to the man and say, look, we both declare he's my child. Solomon had to make a horrendous decision. He says, bring me a sword. He said, I will tell you this. If the truth is not going to be revealed to me on the surface, then I will bring it out of the spirit that, which cannot be seen. So Solomon said, I'm going to take this sword and I'm going to cut the baby in half. And because both of you declared that this child is yours, I will give each of you a portion of the child. And the mother who was lying said, Yeah, I think that's fair. I'll take the head, you take the torso. I'll take the arms, you take the leg. Yeah, that's fair. But the woman who was telling the truth, she said, Oh, my king. And I believe in her heart. Somehow, even though she was a harlot, I believe brought her to a place where she said, Oh my God, spare my child. And she steps back to the one that was lying and said, Wait a minute. If it's going to come down to this man taking a sword to the belly of my son, you can have him. And when she spoke those words, Solomon stepped back in his wisdom and said, give the child to her. And the Bible says the fame of that decision was known throughout the land. But you know what? That woman, I don't know if we can call her Jane Doe. I don't know what her name is. The Bible does not say. But I will tell you this. Even, you know, Rahab was a harlot. And she helped the spies. As a result of her helping the children of God, her life and the family life was spared and saved. Listen, I don't, I don't know the spiritual things that God did with this woman. I don't have anything to go by but the story. Her name is not mentioned in the Bible. I have no reference other than what I read to this. But I will tell you this, in my opinion, she's one of the greatest mothers of the Bible. Because you know what she teaches us today? This mother, whose name is not mentioned. The only thing we have is her occupation and her tears. But she steps back and teaches the world a lesson. If you're going to be a mother, you're going to have to learn how to sacrifice it all. 
sacrifice. Listen, this mother was willing to sacrifice it all. You take John. Let him live. When I read, listen, God so overwhelmingly put that thought in my heart this morning. She was willing to sacrifice all of her motherhood for the well-being of her child. And ladies, let me say this. That's what is required of us today. Beyond the joy of the cradle, beyond the joy of a child taking his first step or saying her first word, before the joy of holding that little hand and, and walking them to the school bus, lies the joy of knowing that they have given their hearts to Christ. Listen, don't wait till they're 10 and 12 and 15 and 25 until you start trying to tell them about the old time religion and about the cross of Calvary, the shed blood, the glorious resurrection. Listen, just as soon as they can and communicate and teach word. My little granddaughter the other day was singing Jesus loves me, this I know, a hundred times. Listen, don't wait till it's too late to begin communicating these great principles of the Lord Jesus. That's going to require, listen, if you're going to see to it that your children come to Christ, you're going to have to sacrifice motherhood to do it. Giving all. Thank God for the godly women that he's placed within our lives. Ladies, never get too preoccupied with yourself that you forget about the younger responsibilities that you have all around you. Let me say this to everyone. Thank God for those women in your life who made a godly difference. In 1963, when I came home from school, as a five-year-old child, my mother prayed with me the sinner's prayer. I remember picking up the telephone and calling my pastor and telling him I just asked Jesus to come into my heart. Did I understand the full spectrum of that? Did I understand the entire picture how that God could so love a world that he would give his only begotten son to die on a cross for me, somebody who was unworthy of heaven. Could I understand how God committed his love towards us and that while we were yet sinners and Christ died for us? Could I understand that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission for sin? Could I understand all of that? Listen, the truth of the matter is, I can honestly tell you today that I don't think I still fully comprehend it. How a God in heaven would send his only begotten son to this world to die on the cross for somebody that was unworthy, unlovely, undesirable, but yet God through his love, his grace and his mercy sent his only son to die on a cross to shed his blood to give us eternal life and a home in heaven. Thank God. Listen, I don't understand how a black cow can eat green grass and give white milk and yellow butter. I don't have to understand all of that. I don't have to understand how the red crimson blood flowing from Calvary's cross can take my black heart and wash it whiter than snow. I don't understand it, but thank God it does. And because of his grace and his love and his mercy, I can call myself a child of the king. I've been adopted into the family. And listen, mom, ladies, whoever you are, you have a responsibility 
to teach the younger ones all around you about this soul love, this much love. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.